Hi, I'm Chinny. I'm Astrid. And welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that decolonizes history one story at a time. So we're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country and essentially appreciate the identity of each nation. Um, and through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello and welcome to another episode of It's a Continent. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Gosh, it feels like weeks. Actually, it has been weeks. <laughs> I think it has been since weeks, hun. It has, it, has, it has been weeks. It has been weeks since we've been back on these mics. Still trying to feel like, get our bearings back together and everything, but it's all good. It's We're also living in a... Um, a post-racial society, apparently. Yes. Yeah. That's the words I was looking for. It doesn't exist, does it? It doesn't exist. We're we're past kneeling in the words of JC. Look at us now. So, yeah, no, it's been really good. Just been catching up, relaxing. What about, like, what have you been up to? Watching The Circle, always. Oh, I do love that show. For me, it's when you message me and you're always like, oh my gosh, imagine just being like, Circle, send send message. (laughs) Send message. Smiley face emoji. (laughs) I love it. I want a circle activated flat. I think it would just make my life so much easier. Do you know what gives me circle vibes is when I have my AirPods in and um, <laughs> Siri talks yes. through the message and it's just, it's like, Chinny has sent you five rolling on the floor laughing emojis. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I jumped the first time that happened. I was like, what? Siri reads your text now? But... It did exactly the same thing. I was like, wow, this technology thing has just it's blown just... my mind. Honestly, not just tracking our data and everyday purchases, but also reading out our text messages. <laughs> yeah, but we, we move with that. <laughs> we do. It's all good. So this week's African Pride goes to Amina Idris, an athlete who won a gold medal in Taekwondo all whilst eight months pregnant. So get that. Yeah. (laughs) Taekwondo. Wow. I can't even do it when I'm not pregnant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not even, I couldn't even imagine doing Taekwondo. She won a gold medal in her category at the National Sports Festival in Edo State in Nigeria. And she also went on to win silver and bronze medals, making her one of the leading medalists at the highly anticipated festival. So just as an aside and something that we learned this week. So the National Sports Festival is a multi-sport event that takes place every other year in Nigeria and it's organised by the government. So it takes every athletes from 36 states of Nigeria and it's kind of like an internal competition which I would say is better than the idea of Commonwealth Games. No shade, just saying. Nice, it's like a little Nigeria sports day. Yeah, yeah, an inter-country sports day. It's like house games, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, like it, love it. It's good to see, amazing. Absolutely. So where are we this week? Well, this week we are in the Chagos Islands, which is an archipelago of islands within the Indian Ocean. It's currently in a disputed area of land and the Chagos Islands is home to Chagossians. However, the sovereignty of these islands remains disputed to this day. Um, They're still recognised as belonging to the United Kingdom, known as this entity called the British Indian Ocean Territory. I'm doing, I'm doing mad quote marks, but you can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> Just out here. It's like, <laughs> however, the islands are also claimed by Mauritius. And there are a number of human rights issues that Chagossians have faced at the hands of the British government with the battle for sovereignty carrying on to this day. So in today's episode, we're going to focus on the expulsion of Chagossians from their home country, 
although there are many more aspects of this ongoing issue, such as Mauritius demanding sovereignty over the islands. And as with these topics, we never have enough time to actually go through every detail. So we encourage you to use this episode as a springboard to find out more information about what's currently happening. So the Chagos Islands population, they're known as Chagossians. They're a small population of around 2,000 people. And this population has been living within the islands for generations, with some brought over by the French as slaves from Mauritius in 1786. Some more arrived as fishermen, farmers and coconut plantation workers during the following century, with some from Mozambique, Madagascar and other African nations such as Mauritius. Chagossians speak Chagossian Creole, with the language still spoken by those in Mauritius and the Seychelles. And as you can imagine, Chagossians were living a relatively quiet life, just minding their business, that's all they were doing. Always minding just, <laughs> just, own business. You know, self-sufficient, just living your life. Until, I'm sure mm-hmm. you can guess, if it's not Britain, it's usually another country that likes to sort of stick their nose in, isn't it? it oh, well, it's got to it be is. the US. Yeah. It's got to be the US. <laughs> so, not France either. <laughs> So, in 1968, the United States needed to build a military base on the main island of Diego Garcia. And this meant that Chagossians were forcibly expelled from their island. So even islanders who didn't live on Diego Garcia, which is the main island, were forced to leave their homes because the United States wanted to build a military base on the island. They made a decision. They were like, we're making it happen regardless of... It was, it was an home. executive decision. <laughs> wow. We are honestly yeah. start as we mean to go on. Yeah, the audacity <laughs> continues. Mm-hmm. So true. Chagossians lived a self-sufficient idyllic life on the islands with universal employment. Salaries were in cash and food, basic healthcare was free, and housing was passed seamlessly through generations. Diego Garcia was the main island in the archipelago with 1,500 islanders. The island had pristine beaches and lagoons to boot. However, in 1971, the British government, at the time in the hands of Harold Wilson, the same guy who made decisions during Britain's involvement in the Nigerian Civil War, decided to force Chagossians into exile to make room for the US to build a military base. The US was in the throes of the Cold War, and by this logic, it would make sense for the former superpower to be within striking distance of the Gulf, Iran, and Central Asia because we all know that the US loves an intervention. The base was a vital deployment platform during the Iraq war and is also said to stock nuclear weapons. A British senior diplomat was quoted as saying, no indigenous population except seagulls should remain at the beginning of the expulsion. In this regard, is the diplomat alluding to putting seagulls above the rights of black and brown human beings? Seagulls. Uh, Yes. (laughs) You can definitely tell it's a Brit. Seagulls and pigeons, that's all we know. Alan Vitterson, a native Chagossian, was interviewed as part of a short documentary for the BBC World Service. Vitterson described how his grandfather refused to leave, yet he struggled to gain support among his fellow citizens. In spring of 1971, the British government rounded up Chagossians, much-loved pet dogs, around a thousand dogs in total, proceeding to gas them with exhaust fumes from US military vehicles. Wow. They took the dogs. Yeah. It's shocking. The story, we've put in our episode show notes, but it was a clip from BBC Sounds as he was describing that's how they forced 
the native Chagossians to leave the island. Yeah, it's a threat, isn't it? If we can do this to your dog. Yeah. Imagine what we'll do to you, especially with the seagulls analogy as well. Exactly. Yeah. They don't even see you as on the same level field. They're putting seagulls above your rights. So God knows what's going to happen. As a result, Chagossians were bullied into submission as they feared more violence could happen if they continued to disobey the British, with threats being made that they would suffer the same fate if they did not comply. Even those who had travelled from the Chagos Islands to other islands were told they could not return as that island had been sold. Gosh, put in a for sale sign and you've not even left the property. What level of what? You're telling me. It's honestly being like, you know what? You know, you and I are both obsessed with looking for houses we can't afford Zoopla at the moment. Zoopla is the new Twitter for me. Right okay. move. We are on there scrolling, <laughs> scrolling. What can I not afford? And then just being like, do you know what? I've got my little for sale sign. I'm sorry. I am taking this five bedroom house with multitude of bathrooms, a swimming pool and a jacuzzi and you're bouncing. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Some people honestly have a certain level of audacity. And you know what's actually mad? This is 1970s. This is recent history. And I think probably first heard about what was kind of happening during the challenges, which we'll talk about later. There's some challenges where the Trigossians took Britain to the high court. But other than that, not a peep. I mean, obviously they had something to hide. It never fails to amaze me the audacity that these countries had. Yeah, absolutely. Abandoned ships were used to ship Shagossians away from their home, with residents permitted to carry just one suitcase to the Seychelles and Mauritius Islands. You know, it's easy to think at this point, these islands are really good for an influenza holiday or maybe a romantic honeymoon or a proposal trip. But this couldn't be further away from the reality of what Chagossians faced. On the boat, horses were given the pride of place, whilst women and children were forced to sit on a cargo of bird fertilizer. So in in that papers that I read, it was like bird fertilizer. I was like, what what is bird fertilizer? Yeah. Well, to put it quite bluntly, it's bird shit. Wow. We're dressing it up with bird fertilizer. Yes. That was what was happening. Human beings being shipped with bird excrement. I do love a nice horse, but honestly, you're putting that prior place versus women and children. Yeah. It's incredible that even at this point, African human beings are being shipped in a degrading way. And treated worse than the horses. I mean, sometimes you're like, oh, well, it shouldn't be ironic because obviously look at history. But it's also the fact that this is the 70s. Obviously, it was still bad, like what was happening beforehand. But this is so recent in terms of what was going on. So it's just so wild that this was happening and nothing is had even today. We don't talk about it and it's not said until now. (laughs) Exclusive. An exclusive, yeah, meaning of bird fertilizer. Damn. That was literally what the documentary said. Again, um, the documentary has been linked to the episode show notes. But when he said it, I was like, what is bird fertilizer? <laughs> just, yeah. I think, does it grow birds? <laughs> just being just like, wow, I definitely missed this talk on in science lessons because <laughs> no idea what it means. Especially, you know, the point you make around going to the seashells, Mauritius, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, goals yeah. for a honeymoon yeah it's on my list after kind of Bora Bora because that's I would love to do it but if you go to one of these places you wouldn't even think that this is the history oh yeah exactly behind it exactly so, exactly yeah looks can be deceiving oh yeah absolutely and families were separated in this expulsion with Vinterison's story being one of many so he didn't see his mother until 17 years later 
Chagossians were dumped in the Mauritius and moved to slum housing with no running water or electricity. Obviously, this is a part of the Mauritius that tourists don't see. Mm-hmm. No roofs either, as when it rains, everywhere would be wet. So it was really squalid conditions. And in the Seychelles, Chagossians were marched to prison cells, which have since been demolished. These conditions, as I said, were squalid, with many Chagossians living essentially in absolute poverty. Adults and children died of sadness and livelihoods were lost with no work or compensation offered to the displaced. Many young women had to turn to prostitution to survive and suicide was commonplace. Others lost relatives to drug abuse brought along by these tragic set of circumstances. And to this day, Chagossians remain at the bottom of Mauritius's complex uh, social economic ladder. Around that point, 17 years. Yeah to see your mother yeah and then before this happening I'm sure obviously there must have been kind of issues internally but I miss most people you're brought into this world have your plans this is what I want to do whatever and then all of a sudden someone shoves a for sale sign and sells your country sorry not even your Your country not even your house and all of a sudden you're having to turn to things like prostitution in order to survive yeah and the multiple suicides that happen and also it's the fact that as well livelihoods are just destroyed because yes they've been moved but there's no jobs to give them what are they supposed to do you've just moved them to this location they completely lost their family connections livelihoods what what are they supposed to do they're living in in houses that don't have roofs and the fact that it's in locations like Seychelles and Mauritius which are regarded as luxurious tourist destinations it's oh it's just doesn't sit well at all yeah definitely not in 1976 the british foreign office noted that some deaths were bound to have occurred in the normal course of events so that's the usual report <laughs> usual reports that don't really reveal anything deaths would have happened anyway that's what i that's what that tells me that people would have died people die all the time is what that translates to me as <laughs> yeah tells us nothing. It actually remains relatively unknown that Chagossians are living in slum housing in the Mauritius, which does leave a bitter taste in the mouth after Instagram photos are shown of such location. But shouldn't it be the case that actually crimes against humanity are taking place here? Chagossians, even to this day, are unable to go back to their home environment, they can't bury their relatives there, and they can't even visit the cemeteries of those who had passed away and buried there. Yeah, it's just, it's really, really shocking. In 1982, Chagossians demonstrated in the Mauritius, embarrassing the British government. However, in response, Chagossians were offered a measly sum of less than £3,000 per person as compensation. In fact, it was argued that Chagossians were tricked to sign away their rights to return home. And this was in the form of a contract containing heavy English legal term a native speaker may not even understand. And essentially, they were given a language that many who signed didn't understand as they offered up their thumbprint. And that thumbprint was essentially signing away their lives. Having done this for like three seasons yeah. now, it shouldn't shock me. But yeah. things like this just do because ha- what? Yeah, it is elite. <laughs> like it. it uh, I, I, same. I'm actually. I'm lost. This is probably the first episode that I'm lost for words. If I'm being totally honest, I don't un- honestly know what else to say more than what. Yeah. <laughs> like, gosh, this feels like watching the Harry and Meghan documentary again. <laughs> yeah. In the 1990s, documents were discovered in the Public Record Office in London, exposing the shady practices and unearthing unsettling evidence. Firstly, the idea of a fake colony. 
1965, the British Indian Ocean Territory, BIOT, was devised as part of the plan to remove Chagossians from their island. The Foreign Office falsely declared that those inhabiting the island were essentially contingent workers. As if they were on contracts, like... Yeah, do you know what I mean? Oh, I'm just a contractor. Zero, oh, don't mind me. There are contractors. You know, I'm just, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, mine. yeah. Six months' time. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. in between contracts, redecorate my house, you know. A memo from July 1965 read The intention is that none of them should be regarded as being permanent inhabitants of the islands and that Chagossians should be treated as a floating population. Floating. Yeah, as in, like, <laughs> that no You know, when there are two words put together, you know what they mean individually, but then together you're like, what? Yeah, these floating population. Yeah. This is certainly not the case in the slightest, as government films from 1957 show that the British government knew that there were island inhabitants who actually lived there. Of course there were. <laughs> floating population. It said floating population. <laughs> Imagine. Another memo from 1965 does more damage, stating there is a civilian population in practice. However, I would advise a policy of quiet disregard. That's like one of the most colonial things I've ever heard. The level of disrespect. Quiet disregard. To be fair, they did think that the seagulls were worth more than the humans. Just... So that's their trade of thought there. They were happy to let it slide just as long as the UN didn't challenge them. Like, oh, just quite, just, just, just literally sweep it under the carpet, shuffle to other Do islands. Mean, don't look over here. It's just a floating population. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's your classic case of a floating population. Yeah. What are you talking about? It's a mirage. They're not real. In November 1965, the British representatives to the United Nations said the Chagos Islands were uninhabited when acquired. Acquired, yeah. Wow, mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. Imagine, <laughs> the things we bring to you in one episode. There's just too much going on here. The cover-up continued in a letter written by the Foreign Secretary at the time, Michael Stewart, to the Prime Minister, Howard Wilson, in a letter dated July 25th, 1968. Wilson approved this plan all the while knowing that there was an indigenous population. No democratic input was involved as this was done under secrecy. A similar method was employed in the United States with Washington keeping the expulsion of Chagossians hidden from Congress. The payment for lease of islands was disguised as a $14 million discount on nuclear missiles to be supplied to the British Royal Navy. Yeah, it's a dodgy deal, isn't it? <sighs> because nuclear missiles are worth more than, you know, than human beings. Yeah, as the saying goes, you know, the old saying, again, just blatant lies. We know that the Chagos Islands have been inhabited at least since the 18th century with a functional civilization. Uninhabited. Man just comes into your island and say, I can't see you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, conscious blindness, that's what this is. He said that you're a floating population. Like, I can't, <laughs> guys are not here. It's just all in my head. In 1997, Chagossians sued the British Crown. In November 2000, the High Court in London ruled in their favour, stating that the expulsion was illegal and Chagossians should be allowed to return to their country. However, the Foreign Commonwealth Office announced it wouldn't allow Chagossians to return to Diego Garcia, the largest island, as it was, quote, politically impossible due to the treaty with the United States. Remember, the United States are using this island as their military base because it's close to the Middle yeah. East because they want to, you know, do what they like to do in the Middle East. The FCO then began a series of bogus feasibility reports. 
looking at if Tragossians would be able to survive in their own country without consulting any of the islanders. So not as though the Tragossians were living in the Tragos Islands, you know, feasibly <laughs> and by themselves, by mm-hmm. their business before all of this. But, you know, the FCO needed to pile all these bogus reports just to just for them to determine if it was actually possible for them to yeah, is this, is this actually possible? Do you think you can yeah. handle it? You know, your uh, own country that we took away live, from you? Yeah, not, can they oh, live unsupervised? Is that, yeah. is that possible? I don't really... Let's do a report. We, we love, love a report. Chagossians were promised that they would be allowed to visit graves in Diego Garcia, but this was never materialised. And essentially, the Chagossians were treated like a ping-pong ball between the US and the UK. The one saying it's American matter, and the other saying it's a British matter. So... Yeah, that doesn't really help or get anywhere. Now, this would have been an issue for the UK and the US if they had to kind of give up that island because the so-called war on terror and invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq were facilitated from the US military base in Diego Garcia. More lawsuits were filed against the US and UK governments between 2001 and 2002. And as a result, Chagossians won the rights to UK citizenship and passports, so a small win on their side. As a result, young Chagossians moved to the UK in search of a better life. And this inflames tensions in Mauritius because Mauritians maintain that the UK illegally splits the Mauritius and the Chagos Island during colonisation, which is actually a whole other story in itself, yeah. as initially Mauritius used to govern the Chagos Island. So you've got your wonderful island and what I'm giving you in return, as much as I do love the UK, is UK citizenships. and Hun, I would rather be in the Indian Ocean, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's what I'm giving you as a compromise, even though yes. it's your mistake. This is on another level. In June 2004, British Prime Minister Tony Blair and Foreign Secretary Jack Straw bypassed Parliament and the High Court by using the Queen's prerogative powers, an executive order to ban Chagossians from ever returning to their homeland or claiming as their legal right of abode. This is honestly just the words Tony Blair, someone I actually remember from a Prime Minister's yeah. perspective. This is how long it, yeah. Just decades. Absolutely. It's been going on to the point where Tony Blair is having to sweep it under the carpet. And it it is kept under the carpet now because as we'll talk about, it's still ongoing. Yeah. (laughs) It's gotten to the point where elderly women are having to shout on the streets of Mauritius for their rights. The Chagossians are still fighting to return back to the homeland, even as many of those alive whilst the atrocities took place are now passing away. At this point, will this fight continue through generations or will it also die out with the passing of each member of the older generation? The main excuse is the UK being unable to finance the return of Chagossians to their home. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather my taxes went towards this kind of initiative than a couple of dodgy deals here and there, you know, not naming any Do names. Do you know what I mean? Just saying. Giving your friend a deal on a couple of couple of masks A couple of masks, pounder masks, pounder masks. couple of masks, yeah. <laughs> I've been to your pub, so, you know, you, you can have a deal. You've no idea how to make these things, but, you know, have you, you just have a go. Please. It's not as if the UK is ever going to sort of fund decolonisation, is it? Like, let's, mm. let's just come back to reality for, for a moment. Where are we now? The Chagossians have been fighting for the right to return since their unlawful expulsion from their native land, but have not been allowed to do so despite taking on many legal cases and winning some solid victories in British courts that were arbitrarily overruled by the slam dunk of the Queen's prerogative powers. The geopolitical ramifications of such a strong military stronghold continue to outweigh the lives of generations of the displaced Chagossians, generally living 
in squalor. At Chagossians have been protesting in the form of hunger strikes, marches and petitions to the UK and US governments. Despite this, the US maintained a view of no legal responsibility. And in 1976, a British investigator did see that Chagossians were actually living under deplorable conditions. In 2009, the European Parliament was in favour of supporting Chagossians to return home. Coincidentally, the British government announced the world's largest marine protected area was to be in the Chagos Islands. And you know what that entailed? A ban on commercial fishing. And it meant that human activity had to be limited. You, you can't make oh, this of up, course, you know. Of this is such a joke I, I, and a slap in the face. Honestly, I, I think I'm laughing out of shock. Um, like, what? <laughs> just, I can't. It's honestly, this is clearly a fallback plan because our friend WikiLeaks went on to reveal that a memo stated that former inhabitants would find it difficult to pursue a claim if it was a nature reserve. So it just very, very conveniently was like, oh, it's protected area. Not as if prior. <laughs> yeah, we can't really have people here. So yeah, I'm really sorry. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah, sorry, but... Can't have people there, but there is a military base there. Okay. Who is this military base? <laughs> like, how, who is there? Like, it's just robots <laughs> and fish. A military base run, run by fish. In June 2017, the UN voted for this issue to be brought in front of the International Court of Justice, the ICJ. The ICJ noticed that the decolonisation of Mauritius was incomplete, as the Chagos belonged to the Mauritius, not the UK, so that's that other issue as well. Article 3 of the Mauritian Constitution states that the Chagos Islands belong to them, and they have claimed this since 1980. The US General Assembly has also made the advisory decision to resettle Chagosians, which was adopted by the majority of member states. This was supposed to mandate the UK to cooperate with Mauritius in order to facilitate the resettlement of Mauritian nationals, including those of Chagossian origin in the Chagos archipelago, and to impose no impediment or obstacle to such resettlement, quote unquote. As you can imagine, the UK has been silent on that front and the COVID-19 pandemic has slowed things down even further. So this is still happening. This is still, still under review here. We're now in 2021. Yes. And the UK have stated that they will return the Tragos Islands when the islands are no longer in the interests of defence, which we can safely assume to be a long time away. Oh, yeah. Now we need to, obviously, I'm all about protecting the fish since I've been watching Seaspiracy. Yeah. But what? Yeah. It's like those questions like, where will things never end, you know? Yeah, <laughs> things you know, are certain in life. <laughs> Death taxes <laughs> and the US bomb in the Middle East, you know? Like, what? <laughs> When is this ever going to end? Honestly, by saying that, it's such a general statement that there's nothing you can say. Well, I'm doing this because it's in the interest of defence. I'm doing X because it's in the interest of defence. What does that mean? No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. (laughs) Gets the people going. I am in shock. Yeah, I think that story. I mean, a big thank you to Claire who sent us this story. Oh, thank you so much. She, honestly. Yeah, she was like, "Why don't you guys look into this?" And I was like, "You know what? I've heard, I've heard of this story before, but looking at it in in more depth, I think I'm just, I'm, yeah, <laughs> absolutely gobsmacked." To be honest. Oh, thank you so much, honestly. And this is the sort of thing we love to see, guys. Just we're out here wanting to just bring to light these stories. So yeah. if you do have things that you're like, we really want you guys to cover this and educate people and just put that 
out there please do send it to us you yeah. know send us a message we do read through them and yeah make a plan because season four is not too far away oh gosh um, <laughs> I mean oh yes <laughs> Yeah, no, we love definitely. it. Definitely. No, no, no. Love it. No. Please do. Please do. So thank you so much, Claire, because wow. Yeah, what a madness. <laughs> what absolute madness. There are no words. No. But yeah, please go out there and do some more digging because I definitely plan to. Yeah, I, I'm going to find out what's happened because I'm sure that there may or may not have been progress, but obviously it's still going on even as we speak. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, we'll be back in two weeks' time with our next episode on Togo. I don't really know much about Togo, so excited to learn about that country. All to be revealed. And another exciting piece of news is we now have a website that we <laughs> I was waiting for that noise, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, so you can find us on itsacontinent.com. So check us out. You're able to access all of the content, all of the seasons, some new pieces of information. Yeah, so please make sure you go and check out itsacontinent.com. And you'll also find us on Instagram at itsacontinentpod and Twitter, itsacontinent. So yeah, go and check us out around there. And one last thing. Yes, a big thank you to Antonia who supported us on buying me a coffee. So feel free to check that out in the episode show notes and our show description. And another big thank you to James for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much, everyone. And Alrighty. we will see you in two weeks' time. Bye. All right. Bye.